Well, amen. Everyone, it's so good to be here worshiping with you this morning. Uh, my name is JP. If we've not met yet or if this is your first time watching us online, welcome to Pomerado Christian Church Online. And uh, we're so excited and we honor you for spending some time with us this morning. For those of you who've been with us for years, again, we are uh, just so blessed to be able to know that from my home to yours, uh, we're able to worship God together through singing, through diving into His Word, uh, through communion later on in our service, through giving if you want to give at any time. Uh, We just get to give God all of our worship, all of our praise. And so, uh, again, thank you for being here with us. Uh, We are continuing our series uh, through Colossians called Lessons from House Arrest, in which we are learning stories of what God was using Paul to teach the church in Colossae while he was under house arrest, and while we have been a season of shelter in place and quarantine and and what could feel like house arrest, that there are some lessons that have been very applicable for us throughout this uh, series as we look at the book of Colossians. So as we get ready to dive in uh, to what God has for us, will you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the fact this is a day you've made, and we rejoice and are glad in it. Lord, your mercies are new to us each and every morning, including this one. So I pray that we would feel your mercy and we would feel uh, your presence throughout the service today. God, I pray that as we dive into your word, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. And I pray that each person who hears my voice now, wherever they are, uh, Lord, in a relationship with you, whether they're learning, not sure yet, um, angry with you, whatever it may be, God, or whether they're following you wholeheartedly, may everyone who hears my voice know that you love them, that you sent Jesus to die for them, and that you want a relationship with them through the power of the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you turn your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. Uh, we're only going to hit on a couple verses today, but there's a lot of practical things that we're going to hit on through here. So we're going to be in Colossians 4 chapter 2. Um, oh, sorry, Colossians 4 verse 2. Uh, and Just go through verse 6. And so a sermon title for this is called YBH. YBH. And so I know for some of you, you are probably wondering, uh, what does YBH stand for? That uh, for some of you, uh, if you're into music, it might be a Yamaha baritone horn, which... Maybe, I don't know, not, not very likely. Uh, for some of you, it might just be um, you know, this idea of you've been heard, you know, that someone's talking to you and you're trying to explain something like, you've been heard, YBH. Um, for some of you, you might be looking at the fact that uh, this is a picture of um, Stephanie and I, and this was taken on Tuesday of this week um, because Thursday of this week was our anniversary. Uh, we celebrated our 14th anniversary together. So it's crazy uh, to think how much has changed in the past 14 years and uh, looking forward to many, many more years together. But we took this on Tuesday when we were able to uh, get someone to watch the girls and be able to go to Ruth's Chris down in um, uh, the downtown one, which is beautiful and delicious as always. So. I bring it back to YBH. You might be, some of you who are watching, might look at this picture and say that YBH is you telling me, rightfully, that Stephanie is, JP, Stephanie's your better half. It's YBH, she's your better half, and you'd be right. And uh, speaking of Ruth's Chris, uh, I have this this thing I used to say where people would say, you know, hey, you guys guys take good pictures together. And I say, thank you. Um, But I say it's, it's really what it is, is the fact that, 
Steph is so beautiful and wonderful that just by her mere presence, uh, I, I look okay next to her. In fact, it's kind of like when you go to Ruth's Chris or a really good steakhouse and you have um, you know, a, a really good steak and then you have like mashed potatoes next to it. Mashed potatoes on its own doesn't look that great, but next to a really nice steak, you say, wow, that looks incredible. And so, you know, she's the one that makes it look good and I just get to stand and take the credit, but I do want to be clear. Just because I referenced Steph uh, just now as a piece of steak, I'm not calling her a piece of meat. She's a human being, and so are you. <laughs> but with that said, uh, you know we're celebrating 14 years, and so you might say, YBH is that Steph is your better half, JP, and I would agree. Um, but what, what YBH really means is something that, it goes back to when I was at APU, Azusa Pacific University, and um, I was taking a preaching class. And in the preaching class, uh, we had, who. A, a man who's named Chris Brown, who used to be the campus pastor at APU many years before, or years before I got there. Um, and then he's currently a lead pastor over at North Coast Church. And so he came in and he shared with us. And, you know, I'm, I know who Chris Brown is. I've um, heard him speak, very gifted and, and incredible teacher, incredible leader. And he was talking about how when he's preparing a message, he always wants to write down the letters YBH. And the, what he says is basically, if you can have all this really great knowledge from the Bible or a lot of really good things to learn, but what we all have to ask is YBH. So what does YBH stand for? It's this idea that it stands for yes, but how? Yes, but how? The idea that, yes, I hear what you're saying in a sermon, but how do I do that? Yes, I hear the point you're making, but how do I put it into practice? In my uh, men's small group that I lead here at the church, we uh, started an Andy Stanley study called Five Things uh, to Help Your Faith Grow. And it's found on Right Now Media. It's a, it's a good one. And so one of the ones we looked at this past week was the idea of practical biblical teaching, practical teaching that for many people, the first time that helps them really grow in their faith is maybe they've heard stories before or they know Bible stories, but it became alive when someone would practically teach how it applied to their life. And so you look at the story of David and Goliath. We all know about David and Goliath, but it's not just about a boy who is able to, um, you know, kill a giant who's nine feet tall. It is that, but what it's about is that boy's faith in knowing that God is bigger than the giants in our lives. And when we trust in him, we can overcome giants. We can see victory in areas that seem insurmountable, impossible, and something that without God, we wouldn't be able to do. And so it's saying, okay, so then what does it look like for you to recognize that there are ways that you can tackle huge giants in your life. So if your giant is dead, what if I were to tell you that you might feel like a little boy with a sling like David, but you could slay the giant of debt by going through Financial Peace University and understanding how to do a debt snowball. Or if there's an addiction that you're struggling with, it would say you can slay the giant of addiction through the power of God by being able to go get some either counseling or to go into AA or different meetings. So there's ways to do that. So it's a practical idea, practical teaching that allows for the Bible to come alive, for allows for our growth to take place, our growth in God. And so, you know, with everything that's going on with racial um, unrest and, and just all these struggles, you know, people want to see change, but we have to ask the question, why BH? Yes, but how do we see the change? That peaceful protests can be okay. Those can work and those can bring up things. Absolutely. But 
when it comes to you know legislature, when it comes to being educated, when it comes to um, figuring out and processing our own blind spots and our own difficulties and our own ways of seeing the world and how we may need to be changed on our own, that there are so many things that we can't just say, we need to fix the country. We need to just work on this. We need to be more united. Yes, but how? And so today, our main point that we're gonna be talking about is, is this idea from Colossians chapter four that we are called to be people of prayer and who share, people of prayer and people who share. To do that, we must ask, yes, but how? YBH. See, we're getting near the end of Paul's letter. We'll have one more sermon next week to close out the, the book of Colossians. So, and so we've seen all these things through the book of talking about the preeminence and supremacy of Christ, the fact that we need to fight against these hollow philosophies of the world, this idea that we want to have a godly home and our godly life, that we'd be clothed in humility and kindness and peace. We, we've heard all these things, and so Paul, like a good preacher, is probably on his notes in the prison saying, why BH? Yes, but how do we do that? And so this is part of his very applicable practical teaching that he talks about to close his letter to the Colossians. And so as we start off by looking at people of prayer, you know, this past weekend, uh, several of us from the church had just this incredible opportunity and honor to be part of We Pray San Diego, uh, which was something that has gone, uh, you know, Pastor Ray Bentley over at Maranatha saw a video of um, people praying along the streets in Brazil and sent it to Pastor Miles McPherson down at the Rock. And so Pastor Miles was just starting to say, okay, we want to see this in San Diego. Uh, the Rock team has just been incredible uh, to work with. Pastor Miles' heart is uh, absolutely amazing and, and very kingdom mindset. Um, and so being able to come alongside, and we were at the inland location, which is in Carmel Mountain Road. And at our location alone, there was 11 locations. There were 11 locations. At our location alone, there were 863 people that were spread out across down Carmel Mountain Road over by the Chick-fil-A side, a little bit up at Ranch Carmel, and then being able to go around to where the bridge was um, into PQ and then on the other side of PQ. And so that was one of 11 locations that 21 churches were represented. So the most amount of churches at any one location were at ours. Um, and there were seven, over 7,000 people that joined in the 11 locations in person. There were 8,000 people who watched it and participated online. We found stories that people in Arizona um, had done one of their own, that, that there were a couple hundred people, 200 people that were in um, Philadelphia that did it at the same time, that Georgia, there were 15 churches that were participated in, in a city in Georgia. And so this idea of We Pray San Diego, that Pastor Miles, I, I was on a Zoom call with him yesterday, talking about how this is no longer We Pray San Diego, this is We Pray USA, and we're gonna see things like this um, all around the country. And it was just amazing because uh, one um, pastor shared a story of how she was uh, in Mission Bay and someone was uh, just running along the bay and saw people of prayer praying and stopped their run and wanted to join in prayer. Now, if it were me running, which it wouldn't be, but if it were me running, I'd want to stop and pray because I wouldn't want to run anymore. But this person was better than me. So, uh, you know, she, this person just stopped, wanted to stop and to pray that there was a police officer um, at one of the locations who stopped and just asked for prayer. That I was sitting over by the, uh, the 15, the on-ramp from Carmel Mountain Road to the 15 North. And I would have people just pull up and say, what are you guys doing? What's going on? Because I had a green shirt that said, ask me. And I'd say, you know, we were praying for our city. We are praying for our city. And we had some people that were like, you know, clapping or people that were excited. And some people were just like, praise God. Other people just kind of rolled on by and that's okay too. 
But we want to be people of prayer who are lifting up our city and who are lifting up our county, who are lifting up our nation, who are lifting up our world. So a practical way that we can become people of prayer is finding out about things like that. But there are other things that we're going to talk about here in order to... Um, talk about what it means to be people of prayer. So I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 4, starting verse 2, and we're just going to hit on the first uh, three verses uh, at this point. So verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I, Paul, I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So just those first three verses, I'll talk about, you know, different aspects of being people of prayer. So let's dive into those uh, pretty briefly. The first one we see is to be faithful in prayer. This idea of devote yourselves to prayer. That this word for being devoted is to be courageously persistent in prayer. Another way to put it is to hold fast and to not let go. That when I went to, uh, I shared the story a couple years ago, but when I went to um, the Half Dome in Yosemite and we hiked up the Half Dome, that there were these two ropes if you wanted to summit Half Dome. And it was after a long walk, I was the one that needed a break. You know, we'd all be in a group and I would just, you know, slow down. And, um, but I made it to, to the base of Half Dome and we're about to go up the top. And there were these two ropes and there were wooden planks kind of in between the two ropes. And... Uh, most people were inside those two wooden planks because those kind of counted as footholds and there was kind of this big long line going up there. And I just remember thinking, I, I'm not going to be able to make this. Or I, I can make it, but I'm really tired. So some of us, you could go on the outside of it and go much faster. So I'm like, I just got to do it to get up there. But you better believe that I was holding fast to that rope when I was going up the side of uh, Half Dome. And I was holding on tightly and I was going quickly, but it's this idea of being devoted. I was devoted. I was, I was faithful to holding on to that rope because I did not want to fall. And so being able to be faithful in prayer is just this courageously persistent. So if there's something or someone you're praying for and, and things haven't... Um, uh, the, the, the answer hasn't been what we want it to be or there hasn't been an answer yet, it's to keep praying. It's to keep praying. It's to be able to keep devoting ourselves to that. In fact, you know, I have uh, this bracelet that says Restore Nate on it. And our girls and I, we pray for our friend Nate, that God would restore him completely. We pray that um, every night pretty much. And so, you know, we want to be devoted and courageously persistent and to hold fast and not let go to that prayer and to countless others. And so if you're experiencing a time where you're not seeing those results or you're not seeing... um, how you want God to work, just to hold on, hold fast as, hold, uh, fast as much as I'm holding on to the rope of half dome. Hold fast because God is the one to whom we can hold on to. So that's great. Be faithful in prayer. Nice. That's devote yourself. That's great. It's what we see in Acts chapter 2. They were devoted. The apostles were devoted, or sorry, the, the church was devoted to prayer, amongst other things. But then let's ask the question, YBH, yes, but how? Well, here's just one example. I'm going to give a lot of practical examples. If you're in your notes, uh, there's going to be uh, just kind of practical examples. You don't have to do all of them. You don't have to do any of them. But I wanted to give, if we're talking about YBH, yes, but how, let's give some practical ways in which we can look at that. So one practical way for us to be devoted or to be faithful in prayer is to set an hourly chime or a specific time for prayer. That years ago when I was talking to a student who wanted to pray more, I let him borrow a really cheap watch I had, but it was a watch I had that every hour on the hour, it would just beep. And I was like, hey, this is your reminder to pray. Just, just pray, even if it's just for a minute, but just to be 
consistent in that and, and create a habit in that. Or set a specific time for prayer. That I know someone who wakes up at 5.11 every morning. Um, and uh, she wakes up that early and it's like the coffee pot wakes her up finally. But that f by 5.22, she makes her coffee. It's right. By 5.22, she's ready to have her quiet time with the Lord. And it's consistent. And, and a lot of joy comes out of that. And so what does it look like for you to either set an hourly chime on your phone or a specific time on your own in order to pray to God and just to be devoted to that, be consistent in that, be um, faithful to that time? So that's one example here. The next thing it talks about is that devote yourselves to prayer by being watchful. So be watchful in prayer. Be watchful in prayer. Um, when I... Uh, led a, or helped co-lead a team to Haiti of a team of college students and uh, young adults who were leaders in the college ministry. We, uh, it was a great trip. I've shared stories about it. Um, one part that I hadn't shared before is that we were um, in a, play call, a place called St. Louis de Nord, which is the northwestern part of Haiti. And we needed to fly to Port-au-Prince in order to, where, where the international airport was. And so we got to a, you know, a really small airport, a little further away from um, where we were, a bus ride away from where the mission was we were staying. And we were all packed to go, we were ready, and we were sitting there for hours. This is, this is nothing like, I mean, this is not like an airport you would think. This was, you know, we walked through a gate, there was a runway, it, it was just small. And so um, we knew that we were waiting there and you know, we're told you know, the, the pilot should be coming. Minutes came, hours passed, and right about sunset, a little bit before sunset, we see the plane land. The plane lands, and we're all waiting. We're, you know, okay, everyone, get ready to go. We're trying to get the team ready. The pilot walks out and says, it's getting dark. I'm not flying today. And we're like, wait, what? Like, what are you talking about? Our flight's tomorrow. We need to get to Port-au-Prince. And so, thankfully, you know, we had a guide with us and, and one, of the, um, uh, one of the locals. And so... They basically organized it so that then we had the bus that we took out there and we we're going to take the bus ride home um, back to, or not home, but back to the mission. And then we we're going to wake up oh dark 30 in order to uh, be able to get back onto our plane in time. So I bring that all up because here's the context. We are in a foreign country. We are, um, you know, uh, we're American. We stand out. Uh, we're about to ride through um, a bunch of areas um, that... Uh, you know, in the, as it's hitting nighttime. And I remember um, we had one guy named Mike Miller. Mike Miller is a champion. Uh, he's amazing. And he was big and like kind of hearted man as you'll meet, but like just burly too, right? And really strong. So I remember just sitting in the front and I'm like, Mike, because there's one door onto the thing. I'm like, Mike, I want you to sit right by the door. You and I are going to watch and make sure, because we had um, people in the back, you and I are going to watch and make sure that, um, that everyone's safe. And so we're, I'm riding and, you know, we stop and like people, they're not trying to be mean, I don't think, but, you know, we would stop um, because people were walking, we'd stop and then people would like bang on the side of the, of the, um, the van. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very alert at this point. I'm watching and I'm praying the whole time, God, help us to get there safely, help nothing to happen to us. Um, you know, there were times in which it was, it was a little, a little scary, a little nerve wracking, but it was this idea of being watchful. I was absolutely watchful, absolutely alert, absolutely paying attention to what was going on and praying the whole time. And we see this, that when Jesus is talking to um, his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, the three that were with him, and he says, you know, were you not able to even stay awake for me for an hour while I'm praying? He says, watch and pray so you do not fall. And 
It's just a consistent thing Paul says it in Ephesians, to watch and to pray. And, and so we need to be people who are watchful in prayer. And we see this again in the book of Nehemiah, that um, there were some people who were trying to attack the, the project of Nehemiah, bringing the people back, rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, reestablishing it um, after the exile. And there are people who wanted to attack. And so um, instead, he didn't just stop and say, well, well, we'll pray about it and not do anything about it. Um, what he did, as this says in Nehemiah 4.9, he says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against our enemies day and night because of them. They watched and prayed. So, as we see here um, in the New American Commentary, it gives an idea here. It says, presumably, the idea of being watchful and praying, it says, presumably, this meant that they were to know the circumstances of life, particularly those which affected the spread of the gospel. And then they say this, informed prayer is likely to be more purposeful, personal, and powerful. So again, it's this idea of being watchful in prayer. It's not falling asleep while we're praying. It's being watchful of what's going on around the world. Being watchful for ways to pray for people around the world. Okay, YBH, yes, but how? This is just one organization you can do, but you can look up an organization called Operation World. So you can pray for Christians around the world. Operation World is a, both a website and it's um, an app, if you would like. And basically what it says, it's available on your smartphone or smart device. Operation World, you pray today, pray through the nations. And the way that it works is that every day, whether you go to the website, whether you go um, download the app, so just search Operation World, um, what it does is it then shows you a nation. So for June 25th, share prayer for the nations. June 25th, the nation was India. And what you don't see here, it's a little hard to read, it describes India, but then if you go further on the app, it'll say what percentage of people are Christians, um, what are some of the greatest needs, and it gives you such a tangible way to be able to pray for the nations, to be watchful, because it's so easy for us to be able to fall into watching kind of our news channels that we like to watch, to only hear one side of a story, to only think of what's going on in our city or our nation or um, everything, and not thinking about the world, not thinking about other people who need prayer. And so may we be as alert as I was looking at um, trying to help protect our team as we did end up making it safely, but as we made it safely back out on the bus ride at night in Haiti, was very watchful and was praying. May that be how we are to see how the areas that we can pray across the world. So you can use Operation World as an example. And yes, there are others too, uh, but that's just one that, that I've been recommended uh, to. So I want to encourage you to look at that. Let's continue on. Then the idea of being thankful in prayer. It says to be watchful and thankful. And this one, we, it's pretty straightforward. Um, we often go to God for our requests first. Uh, there's a method of prayer called ACTS, A-C-T-S, excuse me, A-C-T-S. A is for adoration to God. Then C is we confess to God. Then T is we give thanksgiving to God. And after we've done those three things, then we go to S, which is supplication, which is asking things from God. And so this idea of for us to be thankful. So maybe it's just to start our prayers, praising God for who he is, confessing our sin, and then thanking him for something he's done. And then we go to God and say, God, can you help me with this? Um, we see this too that um, for YBH, what's something we could do? Start a gratitude journal and or an answered prayer journal. Our family, we're, we're 
not as consistent as I would like. I know I've shared that before, but uh, I started a gratitude journal. We just go around and say, you know, what are you thankful for? What, what are you excited about? And it's just great to be able to see that and look back upon that. Another thing that I've heard people do, which is really great, is to, we have prayer request journals, many of us, but how great it is to look back on answered prayers and to say, oh my gosh, I remember how fervently and how devoted I was, how much I was holding fast to courageously and persistently praying to God about something, and now he's done it. And it's so easy for us to go from one um, concern, prayer concern we have to another prayer concern to another without stopping and reflecting upon how God has answered those prayers. And so I uh, encourage you, yes, but how? How do we become thankful in prayer? Start a gratitude and or an, uh, an answered prayer journal. The next one we see here is verse 3 says, And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So Paul is asking the people not for an open door out of the prison, but an open door to share the gospel. Not an open door out of his own captivity, but an open door to share the freedom that can come through Jesus to be out of the captivity of sin and death. So he's praying not for himself, he's praying for the gospel. And, and that's convicting to me, and that, and that may be convicting for some of us as well. But he's praying, and the idea is, one thing that we can do is to lift up leaders and missionaries in prayer. So I know a couple points ago I talked about looking at Operation World and knowing how to pray for nations. And it's a new nation every day, so it's, it's, it's great. This is the idea of lifting up specific leaders and missionaries in prayer. And so Paul was asking for help, asking for the boldness, asking for uh, open doors. You can pray that too. You can pray that too. In fact, Charles Spurgeon, there's a story that he was uh, giving a tour um, of um, his church and he said, do you want to see where the powerhouse of this place is? And, you know, one might assume, if, if you were just, you know, thinking about it, you might assume it's the pulpit, right? Or you might assume it's the stage where, where uh, people might sing songs from. Uh, and what he does is that he ends up taking them downstairs into a large room. And it's the prayer room. And this is what he said. He said, it is here that we get our power. For while I am preaching upstairs, hundreds of people are in this room praying. That being able to lift up leaders and missionaries and for open doors and for boldness, open doors for the gospel and boldness to share it, that is a beautiful thing. In fact, Warren Wiersbe says it this way. Oh, sorry. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says it this way. You, as a church member, can assist your pastor in the preaching of the word by praying for him. Never say to your pastor, well, the least I can do is to pray for you. He says, no, the most you can do is pray. Pray is in a last resort, a resort. Pray is our first response. To be able to lift up, if you were to pray for me, and I know many of you do, I, I receive texts and emails for which I am very, very grateful. But you have the ability to affect the sharing of the gospel, both here locally and across the world with our missionaries, by praying for them, praying for us, praying for these things. So YBH, yes, but how? What can I do? Write down the names of our church leaders and missionaries and pray for us consistently. Um, you know, if you go to our website, pomerado.com, uh, you can click the Who We Are section on the top, and you'll scroll down and you'll see our staff by name and picture, you'll see our elders and our directors. Um, 
by name and picture, you can write those down and pray for us. You don't even need to know all the things going on in our lives, but just to know that we're being prayed for is so incredible. And then you could go to the ministries page on our website and you'll see something that talks about um, all of our global uh, missionaries that we work with. Write them down. Pray for them. Lift them up and pray that God would open up doors, that there would be boldness to be able to proclaim the gospel as we should. So yes, but how? What can you do practically? Write the names of our church leaders and missionaries and then pray for us. So now we've kind of looked at the first idea of people of prayer. And I want to take the last few moments we have together to look at verses 5 through 6 to now talk about we're called to be people of prayer and people who share, but we must ask, why the H? Yes, but how? So verse 5, if we're going to now the idea of people who share, Paul says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So in order to be people who share, what are some practical things? First, be aware of what your walk shares about Jesus. And by walk, the verse here in um, verse 5 says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. The, the, the word for that is be wise in the way you walk. Walk in wisdom. And walk throughout the Bible is um, synonymous, especially the New Testament, synonymous of your relationship with God. And so it's this idea of may your faith be lived out. May as you walk, may you recognize how is that, what is that sharing about Jesus? Do I say one thing on a Sunday morning, and then I live something different Monday through Saturday? Do, do I proclaim Jesus and have a Bible on my desk at work, but when it comes, there's comes an opportunity to skirt integrity or to be untruthful, do I, do I do that in order to look good, in order to get more money, in order to get um, encouragement, whatever it may be? Do I say I go to you know, fellowship of Christian athletes or a Christian um, group on campus, a Christian club on campus, but then I cheat on my tests? Or, and then I go and I party and I do something that you know, is you know, directly opposed to what walking with God would look like. Am I, what is my walk sharing about Jesus? And in order for this to actually happen, you know, for those of you who are in school, um, this is, you know, you're going to be surrounded by people who don't know Jesus. Many of your workplaces are places where you're surrounded by people who don't know Jesus. Your neighborhoods are places where you're surrounded by people who don't know Jesus. And so the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so what's the YBH for this? Because, yeah, we need to be aware of what our walks shares about Jesus. But in order for us to do that, we need to be around people who don't know Jesus and invest in them. So a YBH for this, a yes but how, is pray for one person to share Jesus with and walk alongside them. Pray for one person. And I'm, I picture um, in the feeding of the 5,000, one of the details that John specifically mentions is how in John chapter 6, Andrew um, is one of the disciples and he is the one who you know, finds a little boy who had his, you know, the five loaves and two fish and says, you know, there's a boy here who brought some food. He's also the one that went and found uh, his brother in order to share, hey, I think we found the Messiah. See, Andrew wasn't the one that we know that um, preached for in front of thousands, um, like his brother Simon Peter. He didn't preach at Acts 2, but Andrew found one person he could impact. And that one person was Peter, right? Or he found that one person, the boy, that could change and, and have a miracle come out of that because of how God provided, how Jesus provided. See. Pray for one person 
to share with. And then walk alongside them. Notice I didn't say, try to convert them right away. Notice I didn't just say, you know, just force them to hear about Jesus. No, no. May your walk be so incredibly um, accurate and so incredibly focused on following Jesus that someone who's walking alongside you in life cannot help but see the power of God in you. Cannot help but see the change Christ has made in you and cannot help but see the Holy Spirit working in and through you. So pray for one person to share Jesus with and walk alongside them. That's when it says, be wise in the way you walk towards outsiders. The next part in verse 5 says, making the most of every opportunity. So be prepared to share about Jesus. That if, as people who are, need to be people who share, we need to be prepared to do that. And no, that doesn't mean that you need to know every apologetic argument to every question that may come. Because if we wait to that dynamic, then we may never share because we're saying, well, I don't know enough. I don't know enough. I don't know enough. You know more, Pastor Evan said this a few months ago during our Jonah series through the runaway, you know more, you are someone's expert. So someone who doesn't know anything about Jesus, you know more than them. Share what you know, don't worry about what you don't. So being able to just share and to say, okay, be prepared to share about Jesus. That this term here says to make the most of every opportunity. One uh, way of saying it is redeeming of the time, making sure that we are redeeming the time that we have here. But it also talks about, it's like a, it's like a commercial terminology, um, as Warren Wearsby puts it. It's this idea of a, a business person who knows a good deal when they see one and strikes at the opportunity when the opportunity is there. And so uh, I'll use an example of people who, um, including Beth Rosenberg, who did a great job with our masks, um, you know, people who saw at the beginning of uh, the, the pandemic that people are going to need masks. And so being able to create really great masks and to put them together and, uh, you know, our kids actually wear them. I know kids uh, don't always wear them, but being able to say, okay, this is an opportunity and it makes sense for us to just make it happen. And so we use those masks every day. So thank you, Beth. Um, but it's one of those ideas where just seeing an opportunity and saying, I'm going to make the most of this. I'm going to see this as a good opportunity. I'm going to invest in it. Well, we need to be prepared to share Jesus with that same kind of mindset, to be able to look at the opportunities. And if we know someone who is hurting, who doesn't know Jesus, we can say, okay, no, I'm not going to just try to force Jesus on them, but I could be Jesus to them. And I can say, hey, I've noticed you're really struggling, you know, What's going on? Do you, do you need to talk? Do you just need a, a listening ear? Do you just need someone to help out? What can I do? To be able to come alongside and just say, okay, I'm going to make the, the, the best out of an opportunity to share with people who Jesus is. Maybe that means someone asks you, so why do you go to church? And you could say, well, that's what we did as a family. That, that could be true. You could say, well, that's just, that's part of my life. That's part of my routine. Again, that can be true. Those are great answers, but it could be because I want to worship and serve God alongside a community of believers. Because of what he's done in my life, I want to be a part of that. Well, what has he done in your life, they may ask, and then you could then be prepared to share about it. To be ready to have, uh, give reason for the hope that we have. To be prepared in season and out of season to share about who Jesus is. So, yes, but how? Because again, I'm not going to say study every book that you're ever going to want to learn. I'm not going to say you need to know all the answers. What I will say, is that when the Holy Spirit reveals the next opportunity, seize it. Don't, don't push it off. When you hear the nudge of the Holy Spirit saying, talk to this person, 
pray for this person, reach out to this person, send a text to this person, call this person, whatever it is. When the Holy Spirit nudges you, seize it. Seize it as a business person would see a good opportunity and invest. You may ask, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit that's nudging me, that's revealing it to me? Well, that goes back to the idea of spending consistent time in prayer so you know the Holy Spirit's voice, that Jesus says, the good shepherd, the sheep, know the shepherd's voice. And so we ought to know Jesus' voice, the Holy Spirit's voice, God's voice, by spending time in prayer with them. And not just prayer speaking, but spending time in prayer listening and hearing his voice and experiencing those, those nudges. So when the Holy Spirit reveals the next opportunity, seize it. The last one, as we see here, verse 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. So be aware, not just of what your walk shares about Jesus, but be aware of what your talk shares about Jesus. That we want to be people who are always seasoned with grace in our conversation. That we don't want to be people that are um, sharing condemnation or, or who are um, harmful or hurtful with our words. That Brett Manning says the single greatest cause of atheism today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then they go out and disregard him with their lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. So that point, that quote can go to this one or the one about our walk, but it's this idea of saying how my words, or how I share my words is vitally important. That Jesus talks about that, how out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if our mouth is giving anger and vitriol and frustration and bitterness and cynicism all the time, then we need to check our heart. We need to guard our heart for it is the wellspring of life. It's the well from which the words and the, the attitudes of our hearts bubble up. And so we better guard that, as Proverbs 4.23 says, in order to make sure that what is the overflow of our life is not one a root of bitterness, but that it is peace and grace to those around us. And then it talks about this idea of being seasoned with salt, which, I mean, yeah, if you go to In-N-Out, you add a little extra salt. I mean, that's fantastic. But, you know, this idea of salt, a little bit of salt adds flavor to everything. And so you'll look at different um, commentaries and they say a conversation or being seasoned with salt is this idea that it adds flavor. Um, some might say that it's an interesting conversation, but, you know, salt wasn't just... Um, you know, it doesn't just add flavor, it's also a preservative, like for meats and things like that. So we want our words to be words that preserve people. When, when a, a, a meat would decay if it wasn't for salt, well, this word will, the, excuse me, the world will be in a, sen a, a sense of decay. But may our words be able to preserve that which is right, whichever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is um, trustworthy praiseworthy, all the things that Paul talks about in Philippians 4. May our words be words of grace, that we speak truth, but we speak it in love, and that may we be seasoned with salt because we are preserving through our words the honor that we show people because all people, regardless of race or hair color or economic status or country they came from, all people are made by God, formed by God, and God breathed his life into them, so all people have value. Remember in Pastor Miles McPherson that we talked about a few weeks ago, the third option 
of seeing the honor, or sorry, excuse me, the, seeing the value in people and giving honor to that. See, we want to make sure that we are preserving people's honor by how we speak to them and with them. And to be able to show that our words actually impact our faith, and we believe that. And so the YBH, this is really simple, because I mean, maybe you could write down all the words you say. You, could, you can make a mental check of saying, when did I speak out of turn? When did I do something that may not have allowed my talk to really share about Jesus the way I wanted it to? But this is a really simple one. And it says, ask people who don't know Jesus this simple question. How can I pray for you? See, there may be people, if you ask that question, that, that repel or, 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 no, I don't want that, or uh, I don't believe in God. Like, there may be people who say that, but there's a, a point in which I was talking to my neighbor a little bit ago, and his wife, um, they had to fly uh, to Hawaii because um, her, uh, her dad um, wasn't doing well and said, well, you know, let me, let me pray for you. And I was praying, um, and I was, you know, we were watching the house for them, and um, he came back, and he's like, you know, like, her dad's doing way better. And I'm like, oh man, well, I just want you to know I prayed for you. He doesn't have a relationship with God. My neighbor doesn't, but he's like, no, thank you. You know, like it's, it doesn't have to be this really obtrusive thing to be able to say, how can I pray for you? Because it's, it's something where even if someone else doesn't believe in God, if someone knows that we care enough and we do believe in God and we care enough to go before God on their behalf, then that speaks volumes to people. And there may be people who would love prayer and don't know how to pray or don't know anyone who will pray for them. And in the movie Gravity, Sandra Bullock's character is in a part that's really difficult and she thinks she's going to die. And she says, you know, I wish I could pray, but no one taught me how. Well, we can pray. So what does this look like? This looks like if you go to a restaurant again and you have a server. You, I know people that would say, they're sitting down, the server brings the food, and the, the, the person would just say, hey, we're about to pray for our meals. How can we pray for you? That's a very simple way to do it. Um, it could be something where, uh, I know another friend, I went out to lunch with a gentleman before. He's like, how are you doing? Um, to to the, the cashier. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And this gentleman was like, give me three reasons why you're good. And the guy, it was, it was like a younger man who was working behind the, the counter, and he's like, um, you know, I got a job, uh, you know, I made it and you know, it's whatever. And he's like, well, what about you, sir? Like, why, why are you thankful? And this man who I was, you know, having lunch with was like, I have a God who loves me. I have an amazing wife who he's blessed me with and I have an incredible family. And so I'm just so thankful to God. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well today. I mean, that is so, it was so unobtrusive and it was such an easy way to just talk about letting our words share who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. So those are eight different points, eight different ways to put into practice just these four or five verses from, from Colossians. That's a lot of stuff. So let me be clear. I'm not expecting anyone here to do all eight of those or however many there are to do every single one of those by the end of next week, right? Instead, pick one. Ask God, God, which one of these, whether it's one of the people of, uh, people of prayer ones, one of the people who share um, points, maybe it's one of each, but ask God, God, what can I do this week? Which one of these YBH, yes, but how application points can I choose? Because it's not going to be all of them, but God, I want it to be the one that you want it to be. And so as you 
pray about that this week and make a note and circle it and share about it and decide with your family or your friends or those close with you what, what you're going to do. But that would be the application point for today is choose one of the application points, one or two of them, and start to just be diligent in them. Because, you know, we sang earlier, um, build my life as Susie led us. And this idea of recognizing that from the small group study that I mentioned to you earlier about practical teaching, the passage that they shared um, that Andy Stanley, Pastor Andy Stanley read through was Matthew 7, verse 24 through 28. And, and what it was is the section in which Jesus is concluding the Sermon on the Mount. And then he just says that there's, uh, there are two builders and one built their life on the rock, one built them on the sand. For both houses experienced storms that came from the top, they experienced floods that came from the bottom, and experienced wind that battered the sides. And the one who built their house on the sand, the house was destroyed. The one who built the house on the rock was able to make it through. And he says, people who are, if you're a wise builder, a foolish builder will hear what I say and not do anything about it. A wise builder, someone whom, upon which we will build our lives, will build our lives as wise builders on the foundation of Jesus. That's what 1 Corinthians 3.11 says. There could be no other foundation than that which has already been laid in Christ Jesus. But then what Jesus specifically says in Matthew 7 is that you build your words by hearing these words that I'm saying and you put them into practice. So if we want to build our lives upon his love as a firm foundation, then we need to remember that we are called to be people of prayer and who share. But we almost ask the question, why BH? Yes, but how? Because I uh, mentioned to you I started Weight Watchers, and this week, um, I started about six weeks ago or so, this week um, I officially lost uh, 10 and a half pounds. And so I know the camera adds 10 pounds, so you probably can't tell the difference, and that's okay. But this idea of I haven't worn this shirt in a while, and it's because I didn't just know that there was nutritional changes I need to make in my life. I had to put it into practice. I still got more pounds to lose. We all have more work to do. God has more work to do in us. So let's not just sit in here and say, yes, we're called to be people of prayer. We are called to be people who share. Can't wait till the next sermon that inspires me to do something and I won't do it. Let's ask the question, why BH? Yes, Lord, but how do you want me to do that? So we can build our lives upon you alone, God. So it's a firm foundation. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for who you are, and we thank you that uh, your love is a firm foundation for our lives. And God, I know that when there can be practical, biblical teaching, that can open up our eyes, and so it can change our lives. I pray, Lord, for each person who is hearing my voice right now, God, that you are stirring within them one, maybe two, maybe more, but a few of these points that they can really start to put into practice. That we don't say, yeah, I want my life to change. But we say, yes, but how? Well, God, may you either help us to use one of these, two of these, three of these ideas, or God, stir within us something completely different. But may our lives not be reflected in what we hear alone, but may we also walk the walk. May we be able to um, do what, we're, what we are saying that we're going to hear. May we put them into practice. Not just to be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. So, Father, I pray that you would watch over us all this week. And um, I pray that as we enter into this time of communion, God, that we would remember to build our lives upon the only foundation that is truly laid, which is Christ Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, so that we 
may have eternal life through dying to ourselves and being resurrected back or raised back to new life in you. So, Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to work in whatever way you need to in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as you uh, grab the cup that reminds us of Jesus' uh, blood that was poured out and grab the bread that reminds us of his body that was broken, may we slow down now and we, may we praise God that when he... Um, when they knew that they needed to bring us into right relationship with him, if they were to say, yes, but how, Jesus was already there, say, here I am, Lord. You know, here I am, God the Father, send me. The how of our salvation is through the life of Jesus. And so we remember his sacrifice, and we remember his love for us now in this time of communion. So please feel free to partake in the bread and the cup as you feel led. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for coming. And please know, we say it every week, that if you want prayer, please don't hesitate to click the live prayer button um, or to to ask for prayer requests um, from our church. You are prayed for, cared for, and loved. Whether it's the very first time you've ever been a part of our service, no, you are prayed for before the service began. You are cared for. We want to come alongside you. And you are loved by us as a church, but even more importantly, you are so loved by God that he sent his only son to die so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. You were prayed for, cared for, and loved. May the Lord bless you this week, may he keep you, may he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you, and may he grant you his peace. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next Sunday morning.